0: Sooners of Oklahoma and, and still looking for respect nationwide. What is up Sooner Nation? Thank you all for tuning into a special edition episode of the Barry and Max show. Uh, Once again, uh, we are doing an OU uh, preview for the upcoming game this week. Finally here, we get OU Nebraska. Last year, the the game was was a tight one. A lot of those players for Oklahoma, no longer with the team. Uh, Been a massive transition. But Nebraska will be going into this game with somebody different at the helm. So joining us today... Uh, from 24 seven, uh, Brian Christofferson, you can find him at at Husker 24 seven BC on Twitter. Uh, make sure to go give him a follow, uh, Brian, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm pretty good. It was a whirlwind weekend, but I'm still standing and uh, glad to be here. So to not bury the lead, uh, obviously yesterday, the news came down that, uh, Scott Frost has been, uh removed from his position you know he's he's nebraska legacy the guy was a uh you know a legend as a player um and a good coach you know spent some time at oregon time at ucf uh that's kind of where he he made his name if you will what do you have to say about just the past 48 24 hours going back to obviously the georgia southern
1: game uh what's your assessment of what's happened so far well I mean I think you can even go back to the opener they had in Dublin where they lost to Northwestern and after that game um, I think even the people who had been pretty pretty heavy on his side or trying to be optimistic about it it reached that point where even they had tilted you know where it was like I just don't I just don't know anymore because there was really this optimism when you looked at Nebraska's schedule that they had a nice little runway to at least make football fun again here for the early part of September, where you're three and zero going into the Oklahoma game. It kind of gets everybody revved up and who knows what happens. And it just took the wind out of the sails right again. And, um, so th- at that point over the last week, even before the Georgia Southern game on Saturday night, there was sort of this feeling in the air, like there is absolutely no margin for error at this point. And, um, I wouldn't say people were on edge. I, w- I would say more so there was sort of a thought like this is where this is heading, isn't it? It's going to be a real long shot for him and to s- sort of save his bacon here. And um, as the game played out Saturday night, you know, I don't know if they had survived it and won by four points. If, if uh, maybe he's still the coach today for another week or two. Um, but the way it worked out probably was, I I'll, I'll say it, it was probably honestly <laughs> Better for all because it felt like this was just hanging by a thread anyway, and now you're not going through this whole circus for a few more weeks, and and you're not having a bunch of a hundred camera shots of Scott Frost as basically a dead man walking uh, on a Fox broadcast while you're playing an old rival, you know, on Saturday in a, in a game like that. So um, it, it's I think it's a sad deal because he's a guy who, when he was hired, people were so so fired up for and believed um, this is it. He's going to turn it. Like you look what he did at central Florida. Uh, he's one of those, you know, guys who's got the magic touch with offense. It's just going to happen. And, um, they had to adjust to the big 10. And then as everybody, I think knows, he's like, five, he was five and 22 in one score game. So they were always around the corner, um, from a victory, but they could never get it. And, uh, it used to be that there was thought, well, they're very close to breaking through. And I think at some point last year or so it just it moved over to this is who you are. Um that's it's not coincidence when you keep losing these games. There's something that's just a little off. So that you know, it, when you're 16 and 31 at a big school, you guys know this. Um, you're not gonna you're not gonna be around. It doesn't matter what your name is. So I, I gotta ask you, you know, the everybody who knows uh, who's been
0: paying attention to this was aware of the buyout situation. And a, a lot of fans of college football, uh, myself included assumed they would at least wait until that buyout went down, you know, yeah. possibly a mid deal or even get to the end of the season. Do you know why or have an inclination as to why they pressed for this
1: now? I think I think they decided to eat basically seven and a half million dollars because they believe, uh, Trev Alberts and others that it's not a terrible football team over there. And you can't let this go any more weeks. You could still give a little hope to this fan base, to, uh, these players. Um, some people roll their eyes at this, but Nebraska has got a sellout streak, you know, that dates back to the early 1960s that people are very proud of. And it's, um, it's going to be sold out this week, but after that, it could very well. end. and so there's these things you're considering, like the every week that passes. And, you know, if you, if Scott Frost is the head coach and you get drilled, you know, 59 to seven by Oklahoma. Um, now what, how, how further does that dent things, uh, with your fan base? I don't know. I, I, I was a little bit surprised it happened and they didn't wait it out. Um, I'll throw out another theory. There's also that thinking, if you don't believe a guy has the goods to get you around the corner, sometimes you don't want to keep that door cracked open that they knock somebody off. Or Actually, he would have had to coach against Indiana, too, who's not a very good football team. and Maybe you win that game on October 1st, and then it's sort of difficult right after a win to maybe – pull the trigger with something. You know, so I wonder if some of that was in their mind. It was just like this is the moment, everybody sees it, everybody's on the same page right after this game. Um and they have the resources to do it. That said, it's a lot of money. I understand why they'll take a couple shots for doing it early. Um but they have it. And um, you know, that the the Big 10 is doing well and Nebraska is doing well because of that. So there there is opportunity there. It's not monopoly money, but um, it's, it's not my money either. So, i i w I'm not too fired up about it, but it was an interesting sidebar to this whole conversation. So what can you tell us about,
0: uh, who will be the head man on the, on the sideline and Mickey Joseph, uh, can you give us a little insight into, you know, what kind of coach he is? Well, how, how things might look, is there anything that might look a little bit different or changes that, that could be made immediately? To possibly give this team a little more
1: fight? Yeah, it's a good question. We're still going to get to know what he's about as a head coach himself. He's never done it um, before. He's always been a position guy. He's, you know, Mickey's a former Husker quarterback himself uh, from the early nineties and a very talented player who came out of Louisiana and he coached a a long time at smaller schools, and then he popped up. Uh, didn't pop up. He earned his way there to LSU uh, as a wide receivers coach in 2017, and worked for Ed Orgeron. And he was part of that staff, you know, with Joe Burrow, and and he you know he coached Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase and all those guys when they were just absolutely stacked uh, that team. So he's been around some good stuff. Um, and then after sort of the fallout with Orgeron, uh, he came back home. Uh, here to Nebraska. It's his first time as a Husker coach. He's wildly popular with the fans because he's a very good recruiter. Uh, He's got a lot of energy and just sort of this, uh, you know, Trev Alberts described it as an infectious personality. And I just think they're hoping, you know, I don't know if it's so much about changing schemes or stuff like that. It's on the fly That's very difficult to do. Sometimes, you know, there's just that thing that comes with a new voice and sort of a new pep in your step. This is we've got something different. Let's see what happens with it. So I think that's what it's about. There's no guarantees with that, Uh, but it certainly does add a fascinating layer to this week. I'll tell you that. So I want to ask you a question
0: uh, a little bit, both, uh, both sides of the ball right here. Um, I watched the entire Northwestern game and there were times that, that the offense seemed to be clicking, moving the ball Obviously, they lost their trigger man from a year ago. He's at Kansas State, doing pretty well right now in uh, Adrian Martinez. But defensively, uh, it seems, and you know, you maybe correct me if I'm wrong over the past decade, them leaving the Big 12 and not having that pipeline to the elite talent out of Texas, some of those other uh, southern states. Maybe even a state like Kansas, where they would occasionally go get a, you know, one or two guys. I actually argue that a guy like Jaron Kanak, who's at Oklahoma, was looking at Clemson maybe 10, 20 years ago, ends up at a place like Nebraska. He seems like that that, that type of player. So defensively, what what has been the issue for them and why can't they get this turned around? Is is it just as simple as
1: recruiting? What what's the deal? No, I don't. I actually don't believe their talent lacking. I'm not saying they're top tier, top 10, 15 talent in the country. They're not, I don't think. Uh, but they have consistently, in spite of their poor records, recruited as sort of a cusp of the top 25 class, you know, which in with, when you consider Nebraska's location on the map uh, is pretty good, especially combined with their records lately. And, you know, if you had said like 10 days before the game in Ireland that Nebraska's defense uh, was going to be an absolute eyesore, uh, people wouldn't have believed it because they were actually the group. I think a lot of thing, fans and media were thinking this is the most stable part of this team going into this season. Um, and it might have been foolish on our part because what's happening, I think, is um Some players who were on this squad last year, some super senior type guys were maybe a little undervalued as to how actually good they were. Guys who really gave Oklahoma fits in that game a season ago. Um, A few of those guys didn't even get drafted, but now you're seeing them and they're like on 53 man rosters or, or like, you know, on the practice squad. And. Um, you're thinking to yourself, yeah, those guys were some actual players, you know, and they're they're the type of guys you need to beat Oklahoma. So there's like five or six guys like that. I won't list the names because no one cares at at this point, but they're not here now, including two safeties um, who were sort of uh, not flashy players, but starters for two to three years. And you just knew they were do your job guys and that they're gone. So they have a different nickel. They have two new safeties uh, they're missing a very good nose tackle from last year who uh didn't get a lot of fanfare but just created a lot of stuff for the linebackers and they've just tackled absolutely like uh crap <laughs> they they've just been they've been bad in space and um uh, you know uh haven't used leverage well all that's the terms you want to use but uh, it's uh it's been alarming Georgia Southern I'll say this uh they had a great scheme clay helton had a uh, fantastic game plan and they played out of their minds in that game um but you know when you give up 642 yards and you can't get off the field um against a Sunbelt team and we know the Sunbelt had itself a weekend so I'll you got to throw that in there but uh that's a sort of game where you say this this is right now one of the worst defenses we've seen in quite a while around here um probably in in five years so uh they have the same coordinator they've had all that time, and he's gotten them better each and every year. But this is uh, by far his biggest challenge. And I think at this point, there's not a lot of confidence in that group at all that they're going to turn the corner because they just haven't shown us a pass rush and ability to get off the field on third down, any of that stuff.
0: So, so moving to the other side of the ball just a little bit, um, Casey Thompson has had a few shining moments I mean, OU fans remember him, you know, quite a bit because he absolutely lit them up a year ago. It, it took Caleb Williams and, and a complete miracle of a game and a lot of things that, you know, were basically lightning striking, not twice, but three or four times uh, to, to beat uh, Texas in, in the Red River rivalry. Uh, but I want to ask you, just grading Casey's performance Um, Is there a lot just kind of hinging on the offensive line? Um, Is it receivers? He he obviously has a decent completion percentage. Uh, The the guy's been fairly accurate for the most part, does have the three picks. Uh, What do you have to say about what he's looked
1: like in these first few games? Uh, He's played fine. He's not real. You know, it's surprising. The QB usually is the guy who is like the first part of the conversation. He's kind of been in the background because defense has been so bad. It's, uh, it's been the thing everybody's been focused on. You know, the first two games, he was good. uh, Not great. You mentioned their turnovers. Two of those were off uh, his receivers making poor plays. uh, But, but their turnovers, nonetheless, Last week or last this past Saturday in a game they lost, uh, he was really very good. I mean, I would say a minus type play, you know, like that's a great I'd give him. He ran, he threw for more than 300, and you know, he helped them tr- drive at 98 yards on 15 plays to take the lead back with three minutes left. You put up 42 points, you score most every time you get the football, with a couple exceptions, you should win that game. So, Uh, There's not a lot of, you know, bad talk about Casey Thompson at this point. He's fit in fine. And the offense, frankly, um, looked pretty good on Saturday. Uh, The offensive line had their best day of the season. And the running game got going downhill. They ran for 250 plus. If I were an Oklahoma fan, the only thing that would keep me on edge a little bit, and I'm not saying this to, like, I expect that it's going to be right down on the wire necessarily, but it, it is that offensive side for Nebraska. I do think they've got some weapons on the perimeter. They found two really good backs. And I think Casey uh, is just a veteran of college football who uh, is, is going to make a few plays and keep in game. So um, that part of the ball, you know, maybe it's a B grade, but it's been okay. It's been good enough to be three and O. So uh, that's the side where things are all right. It's just the, A complete train wreck on defense that has really derailed this season. And that's why we had a coaching firing on Sunday. It was the the last straw, really. Yeah, I mean, if if there
0: is something that keeps this game close, and I really don't know how to gauge it just yet, OU breaking in a new defense. They've obviously not faced the talent level, regardless of what Nebraska's record is right now, uh, that they'll face this coming saturday they obviously have not played a road game yet um, under coach venables so you know that's always an element especially the first one being in nebraska crowd's gonna be sell out they're gonna be fired up usually when you get situations like this where you have an interim coach the the team comes out a little more fired up uh than maybe they have been in the first few weeks um so d- just kind of Looking through the lens of everything that's happened, what do you expect this coming Saturday, uh, given the circumstances that we're in and how Oklahoma's looked You know, the, the past couple games? Do you have kind of a gauge
1: on how you think this thing might go? Well, until I see otherwise, you can be as fired up as you want and come out of the tunnel and have a good series or two. But Nebraska's defense um just has not shown an ability to um get off the field and make plays um when teams you know we're going to put you in space can your guy make a one-on-one tackle there's been many times this season where Nebraska's had opportunities with teams like on third and nine third and ten type situations and they still give it up um you know, that, and they're just not a pass rush. That was the thing everybody sort of thought was going to happen with this team was they were going to get a lot of pass rush. They had got O'Shawn Mathis out of the portal. He was a TCU guy with 15 and a half sacks. He's been okay, but hasn't been, you know, really popped up a ton. Neither has Garrett Nelson, their senior or their junior uh, ed- edge rusher on the other end. Um, and so without having seen any of that with consistency, and then you think about the weapons that Oklahoma has, I just can't see this defense um, holding up for four quarters, maybe for a quarter, maybe for a spurt here or there. Um, so unless this is the type of game where Nebraska is plus two, plus three in turnovers, tilt special teams their way, um, I I just can't see the upset. Uh so that, that's where I am. I mean, I, I would favor Oklahoma by 17 points, something like that. You know, that, that's I haven't thought of a score exactly, but uh, it, it's hard to think Nebraska takes us to the wire quite like last year just because of where that defense is at. It was, a com- it was at a completely different point when they went to Norman last year. People didn't know it on the outside. I think if you remember, there was a lot of people who thought Oklahoma would boat race Nebraska in that game. But I'll tell you this, Nebraska last year with those d- veteran defenders, they were like sneaky excited to play. Like they knew they had something and they were going to cause some problems. And I kind of felt that they would. And this year I don't have that vibe. You know, they just don't have those type of guys at this point. Yeah. And that, uh, part
0: of that, you know, could could be the be the recruiting piece of it. It could just be be development. Um, and, And keeping those things in mind, kind of moving over to the future for Nebraska, and this is, I guess, a little more big picture college football, where do you see them going with this hire and how do you think they should do you think they should go offense go defense do they need to bring in another guy another type of of legacy uh coach or should they go outside the box there and get one of the hot names that are that are currently
1: circulating uh here in the game yeah first off the, maybe this happens down in oklahoma it happens too much here there's always this well does he have a nebraska tie with some people you know did he do this or that or don't worry about it <laughs> you know that's my take on that is like get the best football coach you possibly can i don't care if he was born in Juneau, alaska you know bring him in and let's let's see what uh happens if he's got the right mind and stuff like that um you know the names i w- if i throw out any names it's not because like oh they're going after him people should know that it's just it's just starts you know blindfold darts right now um you know that Matt Campbell's a popular and has been one of those guys that everybody always sort of thinks about um, around here because of you know I think he's made Iowa State interesting and you just always feel like they're in a ball game when they're playing and you know you're gonna get a four quarter effort from them and uh, you know I think you're, I think Trav's gonna look for somebody who's got who has a track record of disciplined football teams. I don't think it necessarily matters that they're an offensive guy or a defensive guy but have they shown progression in the trenches and been the type of coach who could build up teams that could maybe hang in the big 10. And that's where, uh, you know, Chris climate at Kansas state, Lance Leipold at Kansas, even though he's just getting going there, Lance Leipold has a connection to Nebraska, actually, when he was earlier in his coaching career, um, I could see names like that being on the radar, you know, do they take a shot at like a, a Dave Aranda, even though he's had a lot going his way and gets paid quite well in his current job. Maybe um, if you want a name, I think would really fit, but I don't know if he'd want to leave where he's at. Um, it's Luke fickle. Uh, Cause you're talking about a guy who has had success, um, you know, at Obviously, getting Cincinnati to the college football playoff, but you know, came up through Ohio State and sort of understands the Big Ten, you know, grind and all that stuff. So, um, Fickle is a guy that is definitely interests me. And again, I have no idea that uh, a guy like him is interested in that. I do think Nebraska's job is still popular, I don't think it's what it was 20 years ago. Um, but I think you know, for a lot of these coaches, they're 40 plus years old, 50 plus years old. Uh, they they grew up with Nebraska being a name and and hit that history does, I think, carry some weight with some of those guys. Cause I know, I know this through our network that you'll hear from coaches who are always kind of curious. They're like, what's going on at Nebraska? There's sort of this, like, you know, they watch it from afar and they're like, why is it's a passionate place about it. And what, why is that not getting off the ground? You know, with the resources they have and all that uh, money wise and facilities. So, um, I do think there's going to be an NIL money. They've, they're, they're, they're pretty, they've jumped right into that. So that you got to think of that too. So I think they'll attract some quality candidates and I don't think they'll be shy to pay that person a lot. So they should get a very good football coach. It's going to be a long haul though, because as you know, you know, you, it's not like you can hire most guys on October 5th. So this is like a we're talking about like a two and a half two month process now of a lot of rumors, uh, a lot of people coaches that people saw it uh, the deli market at their grocery store. You know, I, I mean that's 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 the sort of two months we're in store for.
0: Yeah. Last thing I want to ask you uh, again, so sort of staying big picture, OU Texas that they're, they're moving on to the SEC, uh, Nebraska sort of made this decision uh, a while back during the first bout of major conference realignment. Moving to the Big Ten, obviously it probably changed recruiting a a little bit for them. Um, And, you know, you obviously follow it closely being a 24-7, maybe even more than that. You know, now Ohio, Michigan, uh, some of those northern states is where you're really trying to pick up some of that talent now. Uh, But just... The, uh, assuming that you know you've been in tune with this Nebraska program for for now quite a while, would you say the big ten move and and sooner fans are certainly curious about this was the right move for nebraska, or do you think that there is a little bit of buyer's remorse uh, moving into that conference?
1: Now, I'm going to give an answer that uh is not outside of our bubble i think it's always that there's buyer's remorse because they just look at the win-loss record and say i mean obviously that that has not worked out i don't think it's because they moved to the big 10 that they're losing all these games i think they've made some bad coaching hires and they're just they've just dropped as a program i think they would have dropped um considerably at the, in the big 12, the last decade, the way they've coached and played. I did. I mean, that, that's how I feel about it. So I don't think, um I don't think it's because of the move. I think the move was a smart one. Um And right now it's good to be sitting at that table, Um, you know, and it's good for Oklahoma. They're going to be sitting at a table because I, I, I mean, the honest truth is I think sec and big 10 have separated right now, you know, from the rest of the, 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 the country and so those those schools I'd be a little nervous and so I think it's good if you're in a spot where that's not one of your concerns you've got a boatload of money to make good coaching hires now um, to build up a massive facility that they're attaching in their stadium right now which is you're not seeing a lot of that post-COVID and that they're doing it um, so they've got a lot of uh, cash to work with because of the Big Ten um, I would say what people miss are those sort of old, I mean, they were just familiar names for a century, you know, where you would get in your car on a Saturday morning and drive to Manhattan, Kansas, you know, and watch Nebraska play at one o'clock against Kansas state and drive back. And that's gone. And obviously the Oklahoma, Nebraska game, I think has been missed by people. Um, but there's other sports, like, I mean, I know it's not on the national radar, uh, but, uh, like the volleyball program is like one or two in the country here. And they're always like right in the thick of it with all these great big 10 teams. And that's what football could be. If you got your act together, like it's, it's Nebraska's own doing within their walls and how they've operated that they are not um, in a position where football is fun in the big 10. I don't think it's the big Ten's problem. I think it's a Nebraska problem. And if you look at where Nebraska has been, Um, as far as their division in the big 10, it's been there for the taking Wisconsin's a very good program. Um, they're solid, but they're not a top, you know, they haven't been like a top five program. Generally, they've been a solid 10 to 15 program. And that's, that's where Nebraska should be. People think, and, uh, you know, Iowa has been, um, you know, an eight, nine, that kind of program and and they've been consistent but what i'm getting at is it's not like the big 10 west over the last decade has been this juggernaut that you shouldn't be able to overcome um and and be right there with a week or two left in the season and that's where nebraska hasn't even been in the conversation in the frost there and that's why he's not here you know you should on November 15th be in that discussion about who's going to win the division. Like, okay, if you win this game and they lose that game, you win it, you know, that sort of thing. And that hasn't even been on the table. So um, I know that's long winded to it, but that is uh, I'm not of the uh, mind that the move was bad. I think it was the right move in that moment. And I think um, the football lack of success has just been um, kind of changing coaches, making bad hires and um, not finding an identity, you know? And that's that's where this hire is so critical. Do you, Can you find a guy who really understands this is our identity and it doesn't matter if, you know how everybody does those coaching grades the day after you hire a guy or, or that season and they'll say this guy was an A hire, this guy was a C hire? That doesn't matter. Like Nebraska can't get worried about what people think about their hire. They just got to make the, the kind of hire they feel this person has a specific identity and is going to bring a rugged style. And uh, you, you feel like he's got a track record of developing in the trenches. And that's where Nebraska has failed the last decade. If you want to cut through it all, they haven't been good enough up front, and they've lost their way on the O line as being a great O line. They've just been good or worse. And, uh, a lot of times worse, that's where it's got to change right there. And you got to start from there and move on out,
0: man. Yeah. I I would say the national narrative or at least the narrative here in big 12 country is sort of a plus B equals C Nebraska, you know, their last year in the big 12 competed in the big 12 championship game. uh, Obviously losing that one to to Oklahoma, but since then you've seen that steady decline, but as you said, you kind of started to see that, late in the the early 2000s as well. So there's a lot of interconnected parts at play right there. Um, But to circle back around, and obviously we're here with uh, Brian Christofferson of uh, 24-7 Sports. Follow him uh, at Husker247BC on Twitter. Uh, I want to ask you just for the upcoming game this week, uh, if you can give me a couple players and a couple players on both sides of the ball that, uh, sooner fans will, uh, want to keep an eye on for Nebraska, who are two guys on the defense, uh, two guys on the offense, maybe outside of, you know, the obvious and Casey Thompson, um, who would you say uh, are going to need to be key guys for Nebraska to make this a game?
1: Yeah. I Garrett Nelson, um, is a rush and edge defender guy. Um, and he's got that. Nebraska is going to gonna have to have a presence they haven't had in the pass rush. Um, I'm not saying you can get 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 home for sacks, but you got to be disruptive. You know, you got to tip some balls. You got to do some of that stuff. And they just haven't done a lot. But Garrett Nelson is sort of the leader of this team. So he's a guy to know. Um, I think their corners um, are going to be tested in an incredible way this week. Um you know not only in coverage but just making a tackle um with a lot of green space around him and so Tommy Hill um is a young talent but he's really growing into the job and you know having to make those kind of plays against um these type of athletes so i think Oklahoma will definitely test him this is more than two but Nebraska's safeties um have struggled i think they've been uh they're they're there's a young guy, Marquise Buford, who's really going to be a good player, but he's he's thrown into a tough job and he's learning as he goes. So those safeties are going to have to play in a way they haven't to this point. So that's Marquise Buford and Miles Farmer. So you might see them pop up for a lot of tackles and that's not necessarily good for Nebraska, um, but um are you seeing those guys like miss a fit and it's a 65 yard touchdown. So if you're not, then Nebraska has taken a step as a defense on, on the, on the offensive side. um, Anthony Grant is a very good running back. Um, He's in his first year here. He's had a long and winding road. Awesome story of perseverance. Things were not going his way, had a lot of stuff behind the scenes. It was difficult in his life when he was at Florida state to begin, They liked him, but it was just one of those deals where he had to go somewhere else. And he went to Juco and was a phenomenal player last year. And we thought he could be pretty good, but um, he's been dynamic, really, uh, the first few games of the season. I mean, he's a hard runner. He's not he doesn't look like he's a big guy, but he gets more yards than you think he should. Um, Now, the question is, can he get some of these runs where he's made something out of nothing? against a team where the athletes on the field, I think, go up a notch, that'll be something to see if he can answer. But he's definitely a guy to watch. And then um, at wide receiver, there's like five or six guys that have sort of popped up, but I'll just give two that to really keep an eye on. Trey Palmer, transfer out of LSU, is probably Casey, Casey Thompson's favorite target. But right up there with him is Marcus Washington, who transferred from Texas, And Casey played with there and Marcus Washington at 123 yards. I think it was uh, this last week. And Trey Palmer has been um, a guy they go to almost every possession in some way or another. So you're going to see a ton of them. The the only other guy to know, and this is one to monitor he's been out with a foot injury and he's one of the two or three most valuable players is tight end Travis Volkalec. He could possibly come back this week, but I don't know. And, um, he's been a big loss, uh, because he's just a very good run blocker. He's a future NFL type guy has a, it's like six, seven type guy has great frame to throw it to. So can he play? And if he does play, can he be close to what he was before his injury? That's, that's a, a sidebar to note.
0: Now, I want to thank you so much uh, for your time today. I know earlier you said you really don't have a you know, a score in mind, I think the spread on this thing is a uh, minus 13 and a half, uh, on the o- Oklahoma side. Um, mm-hmm. if you had to pick a score, at least kind of a range of how you see
1: this yeah. thing going, uh, what would that be? I think it's going to be, uh, I mean, it would be something like that 45 to 28 range to me i i i really think it could be that type of game those are the kind of games nebraska' has been in so far this year i do think nebraska's offense can keep people on edge and they can score some points i i really believe that uh but uh it goes back to what we've talked about for the last half hour at the defense they're just uh um you know uh, a, a group trying to find it in the middle of uh of the race and that's a very <laughs> very difficult spot to be in, especially when you're playing a top 10 team. Um, I'm excited to see what Oklahoma looks like in a game like this. You know, I think there's a little mystery about them too, probably from their own fan base. They've, they've had two games. I know the first half didn't go quite as they would want, but um, last week, but they ended up winning with ease. And I, I think uh, they look like they're they're going to be a pretty dynamic team this year. So I I think Oklahoma's in my mind, like a two touchdown, a 17 point favorite. That's, that's sort of where I have it.
0: I'm right there along with you. Uh, Brian, I want to thank you so much uh, for your time today. Certainly didn't have to do this, but, uh, you did anyways. And I know all of our listeners will certainly appreciate it. We have a very devout listener base that is very, uh, football educated. So they, they love hearing (laughs) the insight about the other teams and, you know, Oklahoma fans have sort of this the relationship with Nebraska that I think is different than other schools, um, just because of that history. And there's the, that rivalry was always looked at as kind of a, a respect or a mutual respect rivalry. Maybe not the, the hate or vitriol of like a that team down south wearing burnt orange. <laughs> uh, so yeah. just
1: yeah, just no. a little different. Um, I'm with with you. It's, uh, I, you know, I, I'm 41. I grew up, um, as a kid in the eighties, I grew up in Omaha, Nebraska and Nebraska, Oklahoma was the game, you know, that was back when not every game was on TV. And, um, you knew that one was, and, um, as a one last story, when I was in college, um, I was doing a story about the old rivalry and, I called up Brian Bosworth. First time I'd ever talked to him. I was a college kid. And you have to understand when I was like six years old, Brian Bosworth was like the devil, <laughs> like get to a kid in Nebraska. That's what, that's what he was like. You know, like that, this is a, like the worst person there is. And, uh, and up calling him. He's the most personable dude ever, of course, on the interview. And, um, but I, it was the one time I remember this. I was like kind of shaking. I was nervous like talking to him because it's like I'm talking to this guy that as a kid, you're like, man, he's a, he's ever you, you just couldn't stand him and stuff like that. But um, I think around here there's a lot, there is a lot of respect for Oklahoma, especially for the you know middle aged to older crowd. Um, they miss it. They miss that, like how big those games felt and just seeing those helmets together. And, um, I think there's a lot of people, I shouldn't speak for this. I don't know what the percentage is, but I think there's a lot of Nebraska fans who sort of root for Oklahoma, uh, when they're not, you know, involved with them. I think they at least are kind of like, Oh, good for them. They still got it going. It'd be nice if we had it going sort of thing, you know? So, um, I, I think there'll be a lot of fun this weekend for the sooner fans who come up. I
0: I'm totally with you. I, I think that, uh, they the, the Sooner fans here have just such a such an appreciation and almost kind of wishfulness that things didn't work out like they did uh with their move to the Big Ten. I mean, I think that's the general sentiment from a large majority of the crowd here, especially the season ticket holder crowd who now has to, you know, see home games against Kansas and you know Tulane and all. You know, you know, However that goes, and it, it drastically impacted uh, just how we view the home slate schedule um, here as Sooner fans. Obviously, in the Big Ten, you all get some premier matchups, but it had an impact here. I mean, noticeable mm-hmm. losing Colorado and Nebraska um, and, and whatnot. Uh, well, Brian, I want to thank you for your time today. I don't want to keep you too long. You've been so gracious uh, to give us this time. Uh, tell people where they can find you.
1: Yeah. I mean, Husker 247com Um, part of the, you know, 24 seven sports network. Uh, if you type in Husker 24 seven in your Google or wherever you use uh, that'll get you there. And um, yeah, it's there, uh, there'll be plenty of stuff uh, previewing this week and what we're going to learn tomorrow, what Mickey Joseph's more about as a head coach. He, he talks to the media on Tuesday. So it is, uh, it's an interesting week around here, not just cause Oklahoma, but you know, you don't get a coaching firing at just, We've had them too often around here, but you know, it's not a every every day, every year thing. So it's it's going to be kind of a, a week of unknowns, and uh, that will go right up till kickoff. Thank you all for tuning
0: in to another Inside Look bonus episode. We also want to give a massive shout-out and thank you to Brian Christofferson. You can go follow him on Twitter, at Husker247BC. Also, go visit his webpage, husker247.com. There's going to be a lot of updates and things to hear about leading up to this week's game, so he will be able to provide that information on the Nebraska side for all of the Sooner fans who want to be educated and know who the upcoming opponent is. Be the smartest guy or gal at the tailgate by listening to this podcast, The Barry and Mac Show, Bringing you the heat every week. Did not mean to make that kind of a rhyme, but I have a tendency to do that. Make sure to go leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, Amazon, wherever you get podcasts. Go follow us on Instagram at the Barry and Mac Show. Damian's is at Dame. That dude. Mine is at B At the letter B W I S E Fitness. We will see you soon.